You know, last week I talked about the candidness of Jesus and how He was someone who just speaks the truth, uh, sometimes hard truths, and, and would really tell people kind of how it was. And, and His heart, uh, oftentimes, when He's being very hard, is to get people on the right track again. Um, but as I, I was wrapping up, you know, if you took it and just spoke candidly all the time, uh, and you lacked mercy and you lacked graciousness, uh, you would be a, it, it would come across, you would pretty much be an ugly person. I mean, it would just, it would not be fun to be around you. Um, because someone who just speaks the truth without any love or any mercy, um, they may be right, but it's hard to be around somebody like that. Anybody know anybody like that? They, they just say really hard things and they don't care if it hurts somebody else. Um, <clears throat> And so as I was wrapping up, and uh, I, I was kind of trying to get the point across, so we need to make sure that we're people of grace and mercy, because Jesus was that too. And it felt appropriate that we would talk about the mercy of Jesus this morning. Right? And, and we're going to look at some of that, that characteristic of mercy in Jesus. How He's so full of it. But the, uh, <clears throat> the Webster's Dictionary defines mercy as... Compassion or forbearance shown especially to an offender or to one whom is subject to another's power. Right? Uh, and, and that's a nice, pretty definition. But you know how I learned mercy? Anybody ever played the game Mercy as a kid? Some people know it as Uncle. And, and it's that game, if you've never played Mercy, you know, two people... They, they, they kind of they grapple, essentially. So you interlock your fingers with another person, right? And then you, your goal is to overpower the other person and get their hands in a position where you're forcing them into a, a painful, you know, if you've ever bent your wrist back really far, until the other person's essentially hurting you, right? And uh, I learned mercy as, as probably when I was five or six years old, uh, from my oh-so-loving older sister uh, and my cousin BJ. And his name was BJ, um, which I always think is... His name was Billy James Baxter, and I loved him. He was awesome. But uh, I was lucky because I grew up with four sisters. And my oldest sister, though, she did a good job not just being a sister. She was... She was uh, she was a total tomboy, uh, you know, and, and teaching me my right from my left was an experience. I'll share that story another time. But the, playing Mercy was something she was like, I learned this new game. Do you want to play? You know, and, and it was one of those when you're five or six years old and someone who's five years older than you wants to play Mercy with you. Uh, you're going to learn that you're not great at that game, most likely, you know, uh, and, and I just didn't have that strength at that time. You know, and so as you, what it is, is it becomes this power struggle where the loser has to be forced, sometimes forced to your knees until you're on the ground saying, mercy, mercy, right? And you're, you're like crying out. In my case, that didn't, that was fairly normal when I was very young. Uh, you know, as I got older, I got much stronger and I became very good at that game. Uh, and I will say that I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I learned that Children are so always so very compassionate to one another. 
They're so merciful, kids are. Uh, you know, but that's how I was introduced, even to the concept of mercy, was in a game like that. Uh, honestly, I learned a lot from those games. I learned that it, what it meant to be subject to someone else's overwhelming power. Right? I learned, I learned how good it feels to be offered mercy. Right? When, when it, it's, rather than like the tenth time, it could just be the first time. Okay, I'm done, I'm done. You know, that to receive it quickly. Um, you know, I learned that mercy doesn't always have to be given. Sometimes it wasn't, right? And I also learned that those who rarely receive mercy tend to rarely extend it to others. You know, I learned that mercy is good. I learned that, you know, it feels good when I got to extend it. Um, I also learned that in and when I didn't, it felt good in a different way that was very dark. Um... And it, it, there was the, the vindictive pleasure in it that I could tell was not good, even from a young age. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? When you don't, you almost know that you're hurting someone else and, and it feels good and you feel bad at the same time. Um, I learned that. And I learned that I didn't want to be that, uh, even though sometimes I was. Right? I learned a lot. Now, as I've studied the Bible, I learned that God is so full of mercy. And that His mercy is evident all throughout Scripture. Old Testament and New Testament. I've learned that mercy is so embodied in who Jesus is. Right? And, you know, it would be simple, honestly, it would be simple to provide you with Literally dozens of scriptures from all across the Bible about God's mercy. And if you go, oh, well, there's some stories in there where God's not very merciful. You know, yeah, there's also so many stories of where God is. And, and I think mercy, I also have to remind myself and others at different times that mercy is not mercy if you deserve it. Have you ever thought about that? You can't extend mercy to someone who deserves relief. Right? Like if a judge were to have mercy on someone and they weren't, like, if they're guilty, then they don't deserve mercy. They deserve justice. Right? But a judge could only give mercy to someone who is guilty. So, as I've I've thought about that, though, I've, I've thought about God and all of the examples through the Scriptures. And I've thought about how Jesus is the embodiment of this. And so today, I want to focus on just one clear, potentially overwhelming example of the merciful character of Jesus. And for that example, I want to take us to the cross today. Alright? So if you've got your Bible, turn over to Luke chapter 23. And we're going to be reading from, starting in verse 26. And so where we pick up in this account... Uh, we're picking up in, in God's Word is that Jesus is being led to the actual crucifixion. Right? He's not slept in over 24 hours at this point. 
He spent the night being beaten and mocked mercilessly. And now, he's carrying his own method of crucifixion to his own murder. Right? And at this point, he's actually become so weakened from, from the loss of blood and probably lack of sleep and just the, everything that's happened to him. He can't carry this cross anymore. And so they've got to, they, they've grabbed a guy from the crowd and have made him carry it because he just couldn't do it anymore. Right? And so, earlier I made the statement, I said, that those who rarely receive mercy tend to rarely give it to others. And I think this is where we see the exceptional character of the mercifulness of Jesus. That it's so deeply ingrained that someone who's receiving at this point so little is going to be able to extend so much to others. Alright? So you with me? So in verse 23, or in chapter 23, verse 26, we pick up here. As they led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry, uh, carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, why do you weep for me? Weep for yourselves and for your children, for the time will come... When you will say, blessed are the barren women, the wombs that have never bore and the breasts that have never nursed, then they will say to the mountains, fall on us and uh, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if men do these things when the trees, tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, where they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for what we are getting, what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. You know, how amazing is our God that in the midst of one of the most merciless experiences, He keeps doling out mercy like the Red Cross handling out water after a disaster. 
I mean, you've ever been to anything where there's a big natural disaster? It's like people begin, the, the Red Cross is just giving stuff away. Just, just trying to give and give and give and give and help people and meet needs. My dad, he, my dad lives on the Texas coastline. I talked to him after the hurricane. People were coming around just like bringing food over to his house. He's like, hey, I, I'm actually doing much better than other people. Go give it to someone else. But it's like, do you need water? Because they've got a boiling bin. You can't drink the water out of the tap right now. You've got to have something. People are bringing out water. People are bringing around food. People are doing everything they can. The Red Cross is showing up with, with all sorts of stuff. And that's not even the worst hit place. As in some of these other places, when you think about you know, parts of Florida and Puerto Rico and uh, Houston and uh, um, Mexico City right now. All these places that are experiencing extreme disasters. People are just pouring out uh, what they can to give to people. And this is, this is when people who are coming from a place of strength, giving to those in need. And Jesus is at, in a place of incredible weakness. Experiencing little to no mercy. Right? I mean, he's being led away to be murdered. He's being mocked and ridiculed. And yet... He sees people crying and he's like, he's concerned about them. He's like, no, 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 you don't, you don't know what's coming. Like, cry for yourselves. Like, this is not, what's coming is not good. What will it be like later? You know, you think of when he's there with the soldiers. This idea of having, I mean, I mean when someone's rude to me, if, you know, you ever somebody cuts you off in traffic or cuts in a line that you've been waiting in for a while? Is it easy to be kind to a person like that? No, no it's it's not. You know, um, it, it's not easy to be merciful. You don't know, like, you don't know if there's some emergency. Maybe they've got a child at home that's hurt or sick, or they've got something going on, and we never know, right? We never know what's going on in somebody else's life and why they have to do the things that they do. But it's really hard to go, okay, let me back up, you know, extend a little mercy. I don't know what's going on in this person's life. Jesus has had nails driven through him, right? He's been beaten and mocked by these people. He's had nails driven through his feet. And, and here is Jesus hanging on the cross, speaking of his murderers, Praying for them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Is that not an incredible example of mercy? You know what I'm saying? Like someone who's... To, to, to have to have such a defining element of yourself. To be so full of a merciful character that you could do something like that. He's with me. Yeah. Be able to forgive that way. To extend that level of mercy to people who are mocking who've been mocking him along the way have hung him on the cross and continue to mock him he's still praying for them that that challenges me for sure and going hey am i am i like this i'm not like this let's be honest i'm not like this i'd like to be like this to have the the this sort of love for people and then you have the thief on the cross right and in, in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew actually records that it seems as though this thief and the other had at the beginning likely been insulting him together. Because Matthew says that they were both hurling insults at him. And, and I don't know if it was the thief suddenly you know, saw what was going on and, and saw Jesus' response and was just so like, 
this guy has to be a man of God. He's got to be. Right? I mean, he, he knew who Jesus was. He knew that Jesus had been preaching about his kingdom. And, and I say that because he uses the phrase kingdom, which was one of the predominant themes of Jesus' ministry. But we don't see anywhere in the recordings of, of the crucifixion account, when he's there on the hill, of him talking about it. So he, he knew some about Jesus. And maybe it was his mercy, even in this time, praying for his own murderers, that it clicked for him. And he suddenly realized, I need to be quiet. I, I need to just, I just need to shut my mouth. And then hearing the other eye, he's like, don't you get it? Like, this guy didn't do anything. He's innocent. Maybe he'd seen Jesus healing the leper. Maybe he'd seen the, lep- uh, the lepers. He'd maybe, uh, you know, maybe he'd seen Jesus healing the blind men. Or maybe he was one of the 5,000 people that Jesus had fed. Or maybe he'd had a cousin or a friend or family member who'd been fed by Jesus in some of his miracles. Or been touched by Jesus. And, and it suddenly just came together for him. All of the acts of mercy. And then this incredible, merciful spirit. He goes, this is a godly man. He does not deserve this. And it clicked, this, is, this is truly the Christ, the Son of God. And then he can just go, take me with you. You know, what, what the mercy of Jesus could do, even in the moment, of these hardest moments. I think about that. And this, this thief, eventually, I mean, Jesus forgives him right there on the cross. He's like, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Now this is a cool scripture because Jesus has the authority to do that in the moment, right? And he saves him. But you know, what kind of person is capable of this level of compassion? And I think only someone who's deeply, deeply merciful. Just a, a, just a part of who you are, right? And I think we become that way. I think Jesus is that because he is the divine aspect of, of God. And, and, and not that he's not tempted, probably, to come down off the cross and be like, all right, I'm smiting you all. <laughs> you know, but... I'm sure the flesh aspect is there, his desire to do that, but he's overcoming that with mercy. You know, and I, I think we people become merciful oftentimes when we've been shown mercy. When we, when we experience mercy ourselves. Because it's, it's hard to be without it. And sometimes we become more merciful when we're not shown mercy. Because we realize just how bad it is and we don't want to do that to somebody else. But there's so much more that Jesus has done. Like I said, he, the woman caught in adultery who was going to be stoned, he helped her. Uh, you, you look at the demon-possessed people that he ends up healing and helping. It, that's, this is, there are so many accounts of Jesus showing mercy to people. And those are just the ones we know about. Right? Those are just the ones we know about. But I think we can't forget that the greatest act of mercy was actually being willing to endure the cross for the sake of you and I. Mm-hmm. 
you know, there's these moments in each of these, the woman, the murder, the, the women that he talks to, the men who are murdering him, the soldiers that he forgives, the thief on the cross. But the greatest act of mercy in all of this is that Jesus would be willing to endure, endure all of it for you and for me. Because he loves us. And, and why we need that is the reality is that because we have all been taken captive by an overwhelming power that we cannot fight against. Satan, at some point in our lives, we became enslaved to sin. Satan trapped us. He, he took us captive, right? And we needed a redeemer who would go and, and take our punishment for us. I know it's hot in here. You can see all the fans going, people fanning. I'm hot too. I'm wearing a jacket, so I feel it. But uh, I always feel it the most. The two minutes after I get done, it's like my body just suddenly realizes, okay, now you can sweat. Uh, so right now I'm just feeling it a lot. But, you know, I feel it more after. But I, I look at this moment and... I think about the Redeemer we needed. All of us being taken captive. All of us being enslaved to sin. And if you feel like I'm not a slave to sin, I guarantee you there's something in your life that, that pulls at you. And maybe you have been freed by Jesus. It doesn't mean that, that Satan's not still trying to come at you with the ways he knows how to get you, right? Um, but maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't been freed. But God's plan was to free us because He loves us. And the only way to do that was for Jesus to take our punishment on Himself. And that's what the cross was. A perfectly innocent man enduring torture, pain, murder, mocking, ridicule, all of these things. And and the idea is that there had to be a sacrifice so that we could be forgiven. Blood had to be shed so that we could be made new. And Jesus did that for us. That's one of the greatest acts of mercy in this whole, this whole account, is the cross itself. And so it's through Jesus that we have this opportunity of mercy, which brings salvation. You know, we accept salvation and freedom from sin when we believe, when we repent, when we get baptized, and when we persevere in our faith. And, and I say all these things and I end it with perseverance because you can get saved, but persevering in the mercy of God is probably the hardest part of all of it. Because it requires that, it calls us to go and reflect on the mercy we've been shared, that have been given to us. Because when, you, when we think about it, um, how often do we, do we, there's a there's scripture that says his his mercies, His tender mercies, we get them every day. Right? We, we, his mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We've got a song about it, right? How often do we reflect on the mercies of God in our life? Do we think about it every day? I have a hard time doing that. Right? It takes a deliberate effort to remember how much God loves me, how much mercy I've been given. And, and if we don't do that, when we rarely reflect on the mercy we've been given, I think we rarely tend to extend it to others. And so I, I guess the, the call in all of this is to go, 
let's look at the merciful character of Jesus. Let's consider the mercy that we've all been given. And then let's make a point to try to extend that mercy to the other people in this world. You know, whether it's somebody who cuts you off in line, (laughs) right? Whether it's somebody who cuts you off in traffic, whether it's someone who's that co-worker that just gets under your skin, right? Or your brother or sister that does that. Uh, You know, roommate, that's a good example. There you go. Sometimes that happens with roommates. But um, in all of these, I think we've got to remember what we've been given, how much mercy we've been extended so that we can extend it to others. You know, the mercy we've received inspires us. And I just ask this, are we still connected to the cross? Have you ever studied out the cross? If you've never studied the cross of Jesus, then I encourage you, let's study the Bible. Ask somebody to to sit down with you and really show you why this is the most amazing act of love, compassion, and mercy that that humanity's ever known. And if it dulls you, then it probably means you don't know it. I'd encourage you, get to know it. This is what's changed the world. And mercy comes in many forms. And so as we extend it, I think there's, there's one way. One way is serving those who are in a hard time. You know, there are many, as I said, natural disasters happening all over the world. Especially our half of the world right now. And so, maybe you can't travel to that place, but maybe there's something you can do. You know, Hope Worldwide, uh, our, our benevolent arm of our family of churches, is showing up and trying to raise money to get on the ground and help in Mexico City. I've seen pictures of even the San Antonio church uh, in Texas going over and helping in Houston. And they're raising money for Houston and for Florida. I'm sure we're going to end up in Puerto Rico at some point because it's we, we've done work down there before. I mean, their, their country is being demolished by these hurricanes that have come through. If maybe... I, if all you can do is send $10, do that. But maybe you want to do something besides send money. You know, maybe let's serve our own community here. You don't have to think of the big problems elsewhere. There are people in hard times here. How can we do it? I know Giovanni sent out an email this week about, hey, the family room needs people to serve for, the, um, for this family potluck that they're doing. Maybe you can just go and help serve with the family potluck. A lot of those people are... are um, Low-income families, refugees uh, who are there that just needs being served. Even within our own church. Maybe thinking about that. How can we help each other? You know, and extending mercy to one another. One of the other great ways we see Jesus extend mercy is in forgiveness. I think mercy comes when we show forgiveness. <laughs> it always helps me. When I remember that Jesus forgave the people who murdered him, who were murdering him, like in the act of it, uh, when I'm feeling really, really, really upset with somebody, it tends to help me. Like, okay, Jesus forgave the murderers. It was my sin that put him on the cross. And I'll be honest, in the heat of the moment, when it's like really bad, that doesn't, that doesn't. It's not a, you know, I don't flip a, it's not flipping a switch for me. I have to take some time away dwell on that a little bit but that helps me to extend mercy and I go how can we extend mercy like that and, and so I'll, I'll wrap it up but when we are merciful people we are the people who are like Jesus 
We help heal those who are hurting. And that hurt may be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. But we help people. And we love people. Because Jesus loved us and Jesus gave us that example. Right? So, I believe that this is... Honestly, I believe this is a strength of our congregation. I actually think we are a very merciful group in in so many ways. We are very serving, very loving. I mean, just the natural demeanor of so many of the people in this church that I'm just thinking of. You guys are amazing servants and very, very merciful. You look for opportunities to serve. And I just go, I'm sure all of us can grow a little bit more to be like Jesus. None of us is 100% like Jesus. So, just asking ourselves, hey, how can I be more like Jesus in this way? this week and change my character to be a little more and take it with me. But church, let's remember that God's mercy is always present in our lives. Let's accept it, let's embrace it, and let's extend it regularly. Let's be like Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, I appreciate the sermon today because... uh, it's easy to struggle with uh, being distant from Jesus. And uh, because the world can just distract us so easily. And uh, I want to reiterate what Mike said. If, if you don't know Jesus, talk to somebody that, that uh, invited you today. Say, hey, I really don't know Jesus. I want to see him. I want to, I want to understand him. Can you sit down and open the Bible with me? Uh, if you've been struggling with your faith, if you know Jesus, but you don't really know Jesus deeply, like, reach out. Like, be humble. Go, go and say, I, I've struggled for the longest time, and for some reason I just don't feel like I'm connecting. Like, ask somebody. Say, look, I, I feel like you've got a really good grasp on, on your relationship with God because of Jesus. So let me spend some time. I, I want to know what you're studying. I want to see what you're doing. And if you feel like you're strong, reach out. Don't think that you're higher than you are, because honestly, it's the strong that pull up the weaker. And when yeah. we pull each other up, we're really exercising the mercy that we were shown and, sh- and helping to share that with each other. So uh, let's focus on doing that, okay? That'd be, that'd be awesome. Let's stand up. we got a, our last song, Soon and Very Soon, and then uh, we'll be dismissed afterwards. Here we go. Soon and very soon We are going to see the King Soon and very soon and very soon We are
Buck hands over there? What the heck are you doing, boy? What are you doing? It's not even winter time. You better take them all. I will slap you okay. in the nose. Okay. Yeah, don't be weird. Don't be weird, Kyle. Don't go there. Don't go there. Oh, you give me you give me a haircut? Oh, you did. Oh, oh that's nice.